Hey, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I, you know what? Fuck you. I don't give a shit about you today. I am so sick of, like, I'm not putting any more energy out there. It's all about me from now on. I want you to care about me. Me, me, me. Um, especially since I am, uh, I've engineered, I'm going to use the word engineered this amazing festival tonight at Tradesman, 222 Bushwick Avenue. You will, if you don't come, you are going to miss the most incredible experience. First time I've ever done this. Anyone's ever done it. It's the selfie help festival. It's from seven to nine and we are going to have wacky, Sort of wacky. We have one actual medical doctor, therapist, psychiatrist, but the rest are going to be just experts on giving you positive reinforcement. And you are going to just feel so great. We have uh, grandma is going to give you unlimited uh, conditional, unlimited, unconditional love. And I'm going to be giving out awards for for whatever you want. And we have Mr. Compliment Man walking around. It is going to be a real, a psychiatrist for free you can talk to. It's crazy. Uh, So you have to come to that if you have, you know, any, any, if you, if you can um, leave your home, if you have any, if you, if you can actually function, you should be there. Uh, And if you can't, then you really need to be there. So anyway, enough of this joking around. I have this really interesting guest on today, Sophie Browner, who's a doula. And uh, it's really interesting how I met Sophie because um, I was doing a thing at the Northside Festival where I was grandma rocking people in my lap on my rocking chair, dressed like grandma and telling them how much I love them and how special they were and all that stuff. And I had the wonderful good fortune of having this lovely, lovely, really, really good looking. Do you have a boyfriend, Sophie? No. Um, are I you really, single? Are you I am are you single. hetero or um, or pansexual? I guess pansexual would best describe. And you're sexual. single. This is crazy that somebody that's <laughs> this. She must be. Are you fussy? No, I date a lot though. Um, oh. But I am very single. Maybe you're just not in the mood for like you're busy. You got yeah, stuff to do. So anyway, but uh, she's she's a really like special, lovely young lady who I met, um, who's a doula. And we got into this super interesting conversation where she made me aware of something that I had never ever thought about, and that's um, how uh, outdated and how unconscious the obstetric uh, the model of care for giving birth to uh, infants is in the hospital. And we had this fascinating conversation, and I had never thought about that. And I thought, uh, I want to share this. We need to know about this, people. So that's why she's on today. Um, and we're going to start this discussion in a minute. But she's a really, uh, she has an exotic background, I think. Her father was British. Um, he's American, but he was uh, raised in uh, Zimbabwe. London. My mom is Zimbabwean, yeah. And your dad is? My dad's American, but was born in, uh, he was raised in England. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and she grew up in Chelsea and went to an all-girls high school, which is so weird, Marymount. Yeah, it was horrible. Now, did that, do you think that influenced you into um, taking such a um, fresh view of, 
birth being around women in high school? Um, definitely. I mean, the one good, I, I hated high school, but the one positive thing that I would say is that they were very, they were all about sort of helping women be good public speakers and really coming into their own um, as leaders of their communities. So I, I guess it kind of started there. Um, oh, okay. Well, that was positive that they did that. Yeah, no, it was good. It was, it was actually Now, if we nice. could get that done in, in regular <laughs> hetero or, you know, regular male, female or pansexual schools, we'd be a lot better off. Yeah. But at least at least it happened somewhere. Yeah. So you've got a lot of interesting information to impart on us. And um, I want to get I want to get to it. So um, you had also. So why don't you uh, can you give us like a top top line of what you do in your view of the system? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a doula. Um, the word is actually Greek. It means servant. So. To be a doula means to be in service to women in particular. Um, and doulas are um, professionals in pregnancy, childbirth, and the postpartum period. Mm-hmm. And so typically I'm hired by a client anywhere from five to seven months into her pregnancy. And um, and then I'm with her during... Um, and do you hang out at, like like afterwards? Do they? I mean, you also have something on your website about postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. So, we, do you do follow up, or do they ask you? Is that an extra, is that an add on service or? It's an add on service. Um, in my birth package, though, I um, straight off the bat include one sort of free postpartum um, oh, appointment nice. to so, check in. So, yeah. how many births approximately you think you've seen? You know, not. I wouldn't say a whole lot because I've only been doing it for, you know, like a year and a half. But mm-hmm. over 15, probably between 15 and 20 at Ooh. this point. Don't you think they're disgusting? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> so do you, do you wear earplugs? Isn't it, doesn't it seem violent? It seems violent to me. Uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't describe it as violent. I think the violence comes in with um, a sort of unwanted medical interventions. That's hmm. that's where the real violence is. But birth itself, I I think is beautiful, but that's. Do you feel anxious when you're doing it? Is there is there is it like a high pressure job? The first couple of births that I went to, I was so nervous. Oh Mm -hmm. my god, that first birth call that I got, I was Mm -hmm. like beside myself with anxiety. And it gets easier. I mean, every birth is different, but I feel more confident Mm -hmm. in my abilities. So, do you think it could you could see it being somewhat routine? No big deal. It's another birth. Like not be like, oh my god, that's how that I can't imagine not being around a birth going, oh my god, it's a birth. Yeah, I mean, yes and no, hey. no. Every time, every time, it's amazing. Especially, I bet it's one out. of the few actual like miracles of nature that we get to witness anymore. That's not taken away from us, except it is by the abstraction that the birthing department. Mm-hmm. So why don't you um. We've got a. I, I mean, I know nothing. I've never wanted to have children. Uh, I have a. St- I'm a stepmom. That's great. Uh, but I didn't. You know, I. I have no experience with birth, young children, even babies in the family. So mm-hmm. this is all really you educating, educating us. We need to know. So explain to explain like just to start what your um, take. If I mean, if you can even sum it up, but just. Mm-hmm. The basic overall way that you see how hospitals handle birth. Right. Well, I'm going to be speaking generally um, just for the sake of clarity, but I will say, of course, that I'm not anti-doctor. Most of my clients Mm -hmm. give birth in hospitals, and they're very necessary. At the same time, there are a lot of unwanted 
medical interventions that are happening in hospitals that are really sort of wreaking havoc on women's self-esteem. There's a big um, sense of fear built into the um, obstetrical uh, model of care. Yeah. Um, oh, my God, yes. Yeah. I mean, you you know, I'm a, a lot of my clients, you know, they tell their friends and family that they're pregnant and immediately people want to give them their horror stories, mm. you know. And so women, from the moment that they're pregnant, enter this experience being very fearful Mm -hmm. and also very uncertain about what they're capable of, what actually happens physiologically during birth, Mm -hmm. um, because our sexual education system is just (laughs) horrible. (laughs) Don't get me started. Hey, yeah, I know. It teaches little boys. Oh, never mind. That's disgusting. (laughs) Never mind. Okay, go ahead. Um. And so there's really kind of this big curtain that goes on between the patient and the doctor where the doctor is telling them things and, you know, because women don't have enough information, are sort of accepting that and moving on without questioning it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm not I'm not blaming women by mm. any means. No, I get it. Um, and so the big role of the doula is to give her clients the tool to really ask the hard questions mm-hmm. of her care provider. Mm-hmm. Um, because I work with a lot of really high-powered type A women who are in control of every other area of their life. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason they get pregnant and their doctor is telling them, telling them these things and they don't, um, they don't question it. They just like, kind of accept it. Can you give it. us an example of some – Thing that a, that a high powered or anyone might not a, give us an example. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bet. Well, inductions, yeah. for example. Inductions. Um, that means uh, getting 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 birth started artificially because uh, with drugs. Right. Exactly. A lot of doctors, unfortunately, are very impatient and they're very busy, and so it's much easier for them to schedule an induction on their own time schedule. Mm. Um. <laughs> Instead of allowing their patient to naturally go into labor. Mm-hmm. Now, the average sort of time period that a woman gives birth, it really ranges. It can be anywhere from 38 to 42 weeks. And 42 weeks is absolutely normal, but mm-hmm. it's very, very rare that a doctor will allow their patient to go full term before wanting to induce. And now, now, now what, what I mean, it's not it doesn't it sounds pretty selfish of the doctor but besides that like what's what's the harm just so we understand what's the harm of an induced birth right so psychologically and physically so physically well there's something in the in the hospital system that doulas call the sort of cascade effect which mm-hmm. is that once you introduce um one medical intervention it's very difficult to stop there mm-hmm. and so especially for my clients that are wanting to do things, I don't like to say naturally because, you know, uh, all birth is natural. You know, but, <laughs> but, but I, um, I know you what know, you mean. Medically speaking, um, right. then there's one intervention and before you know it, you know, they have like five interventions and their body is being pumped full of drugs. Mm. And so typically what happens with an induction is that the doctor administers something called oxy, uh, no, it's called Pitocin, which is, a synthetic form of oxytocin. Mm. And oxytocin is the hormone that your body produces mm. in order to have sort of in order to kickstart labor. Mm-hmm. It's what causes the uterus to contract. And um, pitocin is a synthetic form of that. 
And often what happens is it puts the uterus into stress, and it can put the baby into distress. And, of course, this is something that the doctors aren't telling their patients. Hmm. And, and we, so, we, we people, this is why, why you're here, because we people need to know this. Absolutely. And then what happens is because it's this, the, because your body's producing these artificial contractions, it's incredibly painful. Oh. So it's very rare for someone oh, to get oxytocin know. and then not have an epidural. Oh, how come we don't know this? Do do with the women you work with? I mean, the, your clients are they surprised by this? A lot of them are. Yeah, they just have wow. no idea. And just by you know telling them that it. It changes the game. For Do them. you think that the medical industry is sort of like running things for its own efficiency and tr- and like not trying trying to keep the information in themselves or something? Or absolutely, I mean they're benefiting financially. You know, doctors are benefiting financially. Mm-hmm. The more interventions that happen, mm-hmm. um, the better off they are. Um, mm-hmm. And we, you know, we have to remember that the healthcare industry it's a cons- it's a consumerist industry right um yeah we do have a we do, i mean it's 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 so complicated that way because you know you can't indict all doctors and all hospitals but yeah i mean you got to advocate for yourself for sure um just just to get your point of view um mm-hmm. what's your take on women that are hardcore about like they don't want any drugs the whole natural childbirth thing do you think that's an over I mean, to me, I'm like, that sounds crazy. You're not going to take any, what, don't be a martyr. Like, what's your point of view on all that? Right. I mean, I'm really unbiased in the sense that um, if my client tells me that they want to try for an unmedicated birth, I'm supportive of that. And I try to give them as many tools as possible so that they can cope with their, you know, through their labor without any kind of medication. And if they change their mind, they change their mind. And I'm supportive of that, too. Um, okay, if you were going to give birth, would you have medication? No. Pain medication? I, 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 you know, if I do have children, I plan to give birth at home. Um, mm-hmm. Without so, any medication? Yeah, that kind of rolls out medication. Are you going to do it like in the bathtub or something like that? <laughs> I'd love to have a water birth. Yeah, I've been to some water births. It, it, does, it seems a lot easier, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely easier on your body because you can relax. Um and, um, and you can go swimming. You're entertained. Yeah. And you get floats. <laughs> Do you get those big floats? I want to have a water birth, even though I can't even. Have... Anyway, um, you had also mentioned that um, when we were talking in, before before we went live, mm-hmm. that um, the history of childbirth is right. important to understand the perspective. So why don't you give us a little bit of a background sure. on that? So obstetrics as a field in medicine is actually kind of relatively new. So. If you look at the history of childbirth, um, women were giving birth at home and they were being supported by midwives. And midwifery was a kind of a craft. It was a skill that was passed down. And um, the wives... Were midwives... I'm sorry. Were mid- mm-hmm. I just have to know. Were midwives professionals? Were they paid or, or um, were they like I volunteers would... or part of the community? Or were... were I mean, they sound like... Uh, pardon me, but with, with mm-hmm. due respect, witch doctors, you know, exactly. just people hanging around. But were they paid professionals or how were they viewed? Um, they did not become um, professionalized until much later. And mm-hmm. OK, um, the, so there was a there was a midwife. Absolutely. There was a midwife. And um, and then around the turn of the I would say the 20th century, there was a big campaign that went out to 
essentially persecute midwives and to kind of slander midwives um, and outlaw midwives because they were taking away jobs from doctors. Oh, well, what year around? Um, I can't give you an exact year, but But, but like, but like, um, like, you know, the fifties, sixties, by the fifties, sixties, um, it was by the fifties, at least it was totally the norm to be giving birth in hospitals. Okay. Um, And that was the rise of the twilight birth, which is where women Mm -hmm. were knocked out Mm -hmm. and cut open and the babies were Mm -hmm. pulled out. Mm -hmm. Um, but before that it was totally normal to give birth at home and, um, it wasn't questioned. Until mm-hmm. doctors decided to kind of usurp the that traditional role of the midwife and mm-hmm. turn it, you know, essentially into a boys' club, um, <laughs> which is pretty ironic, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Um, but do you think women had a role in that too? That whole like housewife um, stereotype of like um, I'm not. I mean, I know it's been glamorized, and I'm not advocating mm-hmm. for it. But this whole feeling of cultural feeling of women being taken care of. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think sort of at the core of um, the rise of the obstetrical model of care is the idea that the female body is just not capable of giving birth on its own. Yeah. And also men could dominate that way, right? Because it's like they couldn't actually give birth, but they were in charge of the birth because most most doctors were men at that point. Absolutely. And really what happened then is childbirth became pathologized. So Mm -hmm. it shifted from this idea Mm -hmm. that childbirth is, you know, 90... 6% of the time, natural and normal, and doesn't need any kind of intervention to the idea that birth is um, a medical emergency and Mm -hmm. that it needs to be managed. And that's how we think of it. Have your bag packed, get ready to go to the hospital any minute, right? Oh, yeah. And the thing is... Do you think that's a bad vibe? Oh, totally. I mean, birth is, you know, if it's your first time, for the most part, birth is long and slow and oftentimes boring. I mean, it takes a long time to get a baby out. It does. (laughs) So um, do you think that, um, oh, I wanted to ask you what, what, what's it like, like, what, what's it like in nature? Like, how, how before, like, you know, when we were primitive, Mm -hmm. primitive, or there still are primitive people, thankfully, Mm -hmm. I wish I was one of them, sort of, in a way, although I'd be dead by now. They don't live very long. Never mind. So uh, I'm digressing. Jesus, shut up, Lisa. Uh, so what? What? How would humans? How would humans? How would women give birth? How would women give birth out in the wild? Right. So, in my opinion, kind of the greatest catastrophe that's happened in this country is the introduction of the hospital bed. So you know what goes up must come down, and so really. Um, you know, if you look at pictures of women giving birth from ancient times, they're almost always squatting or yeah, sitting. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because the baby has to descend the birth canal, and if you're lying on your back, it makes it very, very difficult. Yeah. So why why aren't they dealing? What happens? Why why isn't anyone dealing with that? Well, fortunately when, now, I mean, mm-hmm. I think doctors are kind of getting hip to it and are allowing their patients to birth in positions that feel more natural to them as Mm -hmm. opposed to being kind of essentially strapped down on their backs. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so fortunately, you know, I've I've worked with a lot of doctors that are allowing their clients to squat. So it's it's a growing thing. Yeah. But also um, in in the wild, like, um, were women in – 
was birth easier for women? Because we think of it as such a painful thing. Do you think it might have been easier or do you think it was just as frightening and difficult as do you think Mm. there was less trauma around it? I think probably in many ways there was more um, of a kind of cultural acceptance of birth that, it, Mm -hmm. you know, this is no big deal. This is what happens. At the same time, you know, um, the maternal mortality rate was much higher back then than it it is now. And so that's, of Mm -hmm. course, why I'm not anti-doctor. Right. Well, that was going to be my next question because that's that's really the – baby elephant in the room that people really don't want to talk about, I think, or, well, they do, of course, but I mean, um, the baby could die. That's -hmm. what everybody's ultimately worried about. Giving birth, the baby could die. But in reality, there's part of me, because I have very strong feelings about how our society deals with death anyway, Mm -hmm. but um, that, and I, I couldn't do this, and I'm not saying I can't advocate for it, but, I mean, it would be sociologically or psychologically um, easier if we could acknowledge that um, still, you know, babies dying, not stillbirth, but also babies, that babies don't live, the, you know, babies die. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we think, I mean, how common was that in the old days? Um, I don't know statistically, but right. much, much, much higher than it is now. But like now, everybody, like if something goes wrong with the birth, it's a freak thing. So right. in the old days, would that be considered somewhat normal or? Um, there was definitely, I think, a great fear of that, right? Mm-hmm. That, of that course. Childbirth, it was a real risk to the mother and the mm-hmm. baby's life, yes. Mm-hmm. And the mother's life as well. Absolutely. Right. And I think in many ways, maybe as a culture back then, grief was just sort of, I don't know, we're so... More integrated. Yeah, we're so afraid of... Death. Death, yeah. And it's so inevitable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's a big problem. So that actually is it's ironic, isn't it? But the there our cultural fear of death is sort of actually getting in the way of the birthing process, would you say? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, when you're in the hospital, um when I'm in the hospital with a patient, you have um two monitors. You have um the monitor that monitors the contractions, and then you have a monitor that uh, monitors the baby's heart rate. Mm-hmm. And any time that gets shaky, even just for a second, you have, like, all of the nurses flying into the room. And, mm-hmm. of course, I mean, you know, it's important to monitor those things. But um, the baby's heart rate goes up and down a lot during childbirth, and that's very normal. And that those are the moments I find when doctors can become really, really manipulative. Really? Yeah, because they know, of course, you know, if a mother hears that maybe her baby's heart rate is a little shaky, that she's going to get freaked out. Um, What do you mean by manipulative? um, Doctors are very quick to intervene, you know. Oh, you mean, oh, great, I can get this over with and go play golf, you mean? Yeah, they're like, well, the baby's heart rate is a little unstable and we're going to keep an eye on it. But, you know, we may have to um, we may have to do a C-section. Um, oh man! Yeah. Whereas, and I, then what do you do when you're there? Um, of course, I know if it's a true medical emergency, you I'm, do. You know, yeah. you, that's what you got to do. But a lot of the times, it's not. And I say, 
well, do you want to wait a couple of more contractions? And oftentimes what happens is the baby's heart rate stabilizes. Everything's fine. So you will say that to the doctor or you will say? Who no, you... I would say it to my client. And, I and then your of... client has to say it to the Absolutely, doctor. because I'm not going to make decisions for her. I'm just going right. to make suggestions. Right, right. Um, so what? what's your sense of like women's experience like what ha- what what do you deal with mostly like as far as like their emotional uh uh experience like what what do you, do you wind up calming people down do you think people are really over anxious what kind of stuff do you see absolutely i mean i think most of the work that i do is kind of talk therapy really is preparing my clients emotionally for the experience mm-hmm. and just building up their confidence as much as possible, honestly, because they're dealing with a team of doctors oftentimes that don't have confidence in them at all. The doctors don't have confidence? Yes, and are saying what? things. Yeah, How, that are, what do you mean by that? That's crazy. Well, they're, they're fucking doctors. I know. Well, they're putting things into their head that are really, that often cause women to sort of doubt themselves and they're ability to give birth like give me an example please um for example this whole sort of big baby debate right we don't really have any accurate scientific um way to measure the weight of a baby before it's born um it's very vague estimate Mm -hmm. and oftentimes the doctor will look at the sonogram and say you know your baby's your baby's looking pretty big i'm not sure if it's going to be able to fit it's like what uh, you grew this baby of course it's going to fit you know there are very very rare cases where a woman grows a baby that is quote unquote too and big. why would they say that like what because w- what they're afraid of is um is the baby getting stuck in the birth canal which does happen i can't remember the proper medical term for it where the baby's shoulders are too wide right right and in that case you have to you, it's serious, and you have to break the baby's collarbone and get it out. And mm. the doctor can be sued for that. But so you 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 think it's more more like they're afraid of a lawsuit than absolutely. anything. Absolutely, it's it's the liability crisis. We're living in a time where doctors are so frightened of being sued that they're sort of preemptively making these decisions that are not benefiting the um, health of the baby mm-hmm. and the mother. So I'm a little bit confused because mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand. Just me personally, but I'm trying not because I'm always confused, but uh, I'm trying to understand how much of it is the doctor just trying to get out to, you know, lunch right. or um, it's really the med, the, the insurance, insur- who's behind all this, the insurance companies like who, where, 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 who's, who's in charge here or that's, like what happens? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm going really hard here. I do love. I love doctors. It sounds I know, like I'm no, after no, them. No, we. You know, I'm. This is not. Look, it's not easy for them, and they certainly don't make the money they used to, and they work very hard. I'm not putting them down. Yeah. No. Um. I don't. I don't really know the answer to that. I think it's really nuanced. I think a mm-hmm. lot of it is in the outdated language of hospital policies mm-hmm. that really need to be updated. Mm-hmm. And that's one great thing that I will say about doulas is that. Their presence in hospitals is really directly affecting um, these policies. Oh, and that's great news! Yeah, it's really it's it's really inspiring. So it's me. almost like you're an advocate for the 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 uh, pa- patient, the mother. Yes. So what? Um, 
what when you talk about confidence that the mother needs more confidence can you expand on that like what what kind of confidence should these women have that they're not that the that's inherently confident women it sounds like their confidence is sort of being taken away yeah i mean a lot of the language that doctors use is just so undermining to women for example um i had a client recently who was in the hospital laboring and her contractions um were perhaps not as strong as the doctor would have liked. Mm-hmm. And the way that the the language that they use to describe that is that your contractions are inadequate. <laughs> um, that's Whoa. the terminology. You know, so just really? imagine. Kind I, of, I've heard that during sex. <laughs> yeah. Psychologically, that's not the word that you want to be hearing when you're working really hard to get this baby out, mm. is that your contractions are inadequate. Now, I'm picturing all men doing this. Is it men, female? I mean, there's a lot of women doctors now. Is it, 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 are, do men and women doctors treat the mother the same, or do you see a difference that way? Or um, Yes and no. I've had some really amazing um, um, female doctors, but also some female doctors that were just awful. Um, so you can't really say like yeah. women are more sympathetic or yeah. it's like the men. How, how what's the role? Do do you are most of the uh, I'm assuming this is me being like whatever small minded. Uh, I'm assuming that most of the women that you deal with um, have male partners or a partner. Is mm-hmm. that true? Yes. Yeah. The majority of my clients um, have a spouse. And... So how does that I want to hear a little bit about how the spout what the spouse's role is and what your feelings. Do you have any good ideas for the guys? Mm-hmm. It's really important to me to emphasize to the partner that I'm not um, oh, in their place. Them. Yes. Oh, you're a fucking threat. Oh, oh my God. No. I can't tell you, Lisa. Oh, of course. Yeah. You're the expert on birth, but they are. They are. They've got to be. Oh, oh that's totally. hilarious. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I will say, actually, that the majority of my clients, their their partners are very grateful for the help. Mm-hmm. Um, they're freaked out, you know. Like what? Um, like just, it's like from like do they want to know more are they afraid of it like what what's the sense that you get often they're just so afraid and i think a big part of that also is the um is our culture's depiction of birth in Mm -hmm. film and movies you know (laughs) that is not the kind of introduction that you want to have to you know to a childbirth is Mm -hmm. the woman screaming on the gurney or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, so so what how do you how do you deal with them? Do you try to include them? Do you what, mm-hmm. like what do you what, what kind of vibe do you get from them? I mean, besides, of course, some are threatened, not all of them, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So are or are they just kind of out of the picture? What would what do you what do you, what do you think would be an ideal way for a guy to behave um, during the period before his wife gives birth? Mm-hmm. Or is there just no role? I mean, that's possible. No, there's absolutely a role. Um I think it's really important for the partner to just take their cues from from their wife. Mm. Um, there are some women that really need a lot of physical and attention and love during labor. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of women that really do not want you to touch them and mm-hmm. want you to be hands off. So mm-hmm. the best way to support your partner is mm-hmm. to listen to what 
it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm working with um, with a couple, you know, I show them comfort measures, things mm-hmm. that the partner can do to physically mm-hmm. support and relax um, the woman during labor. So, um, you know, I'm there to do a job, but at the same time, you know, I'm there to sort of I'm kind of like the the therapist, right? So mm-hmm. I, I step in just when when you need me. I'm not hands on the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important for mm-hmm. you know the partner to kind of know. Do you see? I mean, that must be a really stressful time for a couple to have their first baby, right? Oh yeah, because the woman is sort of takes on a different role, sort of more powerful and vulnerable at the same time, right? Oh yeah, and then the guy feels like less powerful but more powerful in a way right like more needed but less powerful yeah it's, or more pressure it's a lot of pressure on it's a, a guy. Oh, it's a lot of pressure and i oh i love my i love the husbands and the partners that i work with they're so sweet mm. but yeah <laughs> oh, it's a yeah. lot yeah no it's a lot of pressure um and so that's why i hire a doula because <laughs> they <laughs> i take the heat off your back right right no well obviously um hopefully you know by talking about all this, things will change and grow in our in our society on the planet. Is there a culture or, or um, a government or a place in the world that you think handles birth in a you know um, mm-hmm. positive way? Um, I think the Netherlands is really wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. They have a lot of their midwife rate is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more midwives are attending births there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, yeah. A lot of your, a lot of European countries, especially the Nordic countries, mm. they're doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, you know, a, a big part of it is also that our um, healthcare insurance is just ridiculously expensive here. Mm. You know. Yeah, it's all part of the same problem, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So let's talk about postpartum depression because mm-hmm. uh, I love talking about depression since I loved swimming in it. <laughs> Um, are you are you a depressed person? I you know I fight it every day. Uh-huh. Um, I I am I depressed person. Um, not in this moment, but yeah. you know it's 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 I'm friends with it. I'm mm-hmm. friends with my depression. Is really the truth. Yeah. So um, I don't trust people who who aren't who aren't a little <laughs> depressed yeah. or don't have humility. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so. What can you illuminate? Like, I have no idea really what to think about postpartum mm-hmm. depression. Is it does it feel normal? Is it like just is it like, oh, no, I'm my body doesn't I don't fit into my clothes anymore. And the baby's prettier than me or like what what is how can you illuminate what mm-hmm. what what's real about postpartum depression? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a sort of spectrum right it looks different for a lot of different women for some women it can be um you know first of all i'll say that the baby blue there's the difference between the baby blues and postpartum depression Mm -hmm. baby blues is very normal your body hormonally is i mean it's like on a roller coaster after you've given birth Mm -hmm. um and so it's very normal to feel sad and weepy and Mm -hmm. hormonal Mm -hmm. um and then there, there is though a real difference between um, the blues and depression. If you can't stop crying, you're just continuously weeping, and you don't know why. Um, women oftentimes have difficulty connecting with their baby. Um, 
And then there's also there's postpartum psychosis, which can be very <laughs> intense. Yeah, those those are the ones you read about. Yes, having thoughts about harming yourself, having thoughts about harming your baby. And unfortunately, as a culture, we're very unsympathetic um, to right. women with postpartum depression. Do you, do you think that it's biological? I mean, or a lot of it's biological? You know, a lot of women who develop postpartum depression have a history of depression. And then there are some women who've never been depressed in their lives, mm. um, whether it's hormonal, whether it's chemical. I'm not sure exactly. So um, how do you help women deal with that? Or is it a family problem? Um, I oftentimes will give my client um, this um, sort of psychiatric diagnostic. You just answer a couple right. of questions. Yeah. And... Do you enjoy life? Do you enjoy eating? <laughs> Have you slept? Yeah, yeah, I've had that a billion times. Right? Yeah, yeah. And if I know you, you if you answer yes to more than I can't remember, you know, ten or something, mm-hmm. there's a very good chance that you know you're suffering from postpartum depression. And then I would refer them out to um, a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, but not a psych, not a therapist or an MSW, a, a doctor, a psychiatrist, a, or a therapist, um, but mm-hmm. someone who's specifically trained in postpartum depression. Mm. And I also give that checklist to their partner because you really have to be very watchful. Sometimes, you know, the symptoms are very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and do the men get depressed too? Yeah, I mean, know, even though it may not, uh, you know, show up the same way. That's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure definitely on men, particularly because the um, paternal paternity leave is – you know, it's like a week or something. It's so short for men. It's short for women, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really difficult because you have this new baby. And so you've birthed this baby, but you've also sort of birthed this new role. You're a mother now. You're a father now. Mm-hmm. And your life has kind of been turned upside mm-hmm. down. Um, and so that's why I think it's also I really advocate for the use of postpartum doulas to kind of get in there and mm-hmm. help the family out. I mean, to me, no matter how many times I've heard about it, it seems just completely impossible to imagine what your life is going to be like after you have a baby. Is that? Oh that, yeah. That's just the reality, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you are forever changed. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, your whole world is forever changed and your whole, um, view of yourself is forever changed. Do people, I never hear people talking about that. Do people, are people maybe women? I, I mean, I do see a lot of resistance from women owning, that, yeah, I'm a mom. Like, being a mom um, has, like, a, some, not negative, but, like, it's condescend. it's kind of earned being a, or not earned, it's been given a condescending place in our society to some degree. Mm. Because you're a newscaster, but you're also a mom. Or you're, you know, you wrote three books, and you're also a mom. And, um, you know, just, um, I think a lot of, I think that our society is not supportive of like being a good mom is like something to be proud of. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and I think, but, and there's also a lot of unfair expectations that are placed on women that you just don't see with men. Like what? Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking about, you know, there, there's all of these questions that are posed to women, like, what's it like being a mother and, uh, you know, whatever. And you never hear that being asked of men. Like, what's it like to balance being 
a father mm -hmm. and a you know but it feels condescending to women am i right it feels like you know it always sounds to me and this could just be me because you know i'm somebody who didn't want to have kids or whatever or i haven't been through it um but it always sounds to me like they're what they're really saying is don't you think you could have published like another three books if you didn't have this kid or like, you must be a shitty mom because you're a newscaster and you're gone a lot, you you're travel, but you're also a mom. So you probably suck as a mom. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like that's behind those questions a lot, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, society expects us to be super women, right? So here's another uh, area that I spoke with um, fairly deeply with um, someone I love very much. Uh, a couple months ago, someone I've known for a while, I don't really want to, I don't know, I don't think it's a big deal, I'm just not going to mention the name. But uh, shout out to you <laughs> um, about the idea, like, how there's a lot of, un um, what I'm trying to talk, talk about is, um, why am I blanking on this word? This is so interesting. It's a really, really, really tough word. Give me a second. It's uh, it's um, you know when you're when you lose your baby. Why am I blanking on that? A miscarriage. Miscarriage. Yeah. Hello. Thank you. That's weird how that worked. Um, so that's something that isn't talked about a lot, right? Right. Yeah. So what's have you been with women who have had miscarriages? I have. I've not. In you my haven't experience. had that. Like, no. I haven't, but as a doula, you know, I'm I'm also sort of trained to be a grief counselor, uh, um, and that's very very difficult because having a miscarriage can happen anywhere along the way, right? Yeah. So if a woman has a miscarriage, but they're usually earlier on, maybe the first trimester. Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, late term miscarriages are not as not as common, right? Um, so people probably wouldn't have brought you in, right? Because right. they had the miscarriage before they would have gotten a doula right, a lot of times. So right. that happens. But have you been around any women who are giving birth and had a previously a yes. miscarriage? Yes. And that can be very, very emotional. What's that like? Yeah. It's difficult because I think it heightens the sense of the sense of fear, right? You're mm -hmm. worried that it might happen again. Mm -hmm. um, and so in that, I remember the first client that I had who had a situation like that. And of course I'm not mentioning names. Mm -hmm. um, no, I was, I felt sort of really kind of, unprepared and nervous about that because I'd never dealt with that before mm -hmm. and I called my mentor and she said you know it's not any different really you just have to listen and hold space for her mm. um, and just be sensitive to her needs mm. um, there's not any kind of extra skill that you need to have to deal with this mm. it's just being compassionate a lot of what you do that's what I want to point out a lot of what you do is really emotional right isn't this really I mean as much what's probably more um let's say pressured or stressful for women and everybody involved is the emotional aspect as much mm -hmm. or more than the physical, right? It's really a big emotional blockbuster. Yes, absolutely. I consider myself to be really a therapist, honestly, and mm. what I do. I mean, the brain is kind of one of the biggest organs involved in childbirth. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have the fact that you have, um, training and education in the physical aspects um help is like um you know um a foundation 
for the therapy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that makes sense. So um, when women who've had, I mean, having uh, a miscarriage is is that that's traumatic forever, or what's your sense of it? Um, it really depends. I think you know I can't speak for women, right? Of course not. But I would say you know, women who have miscarriages never forget that it's a loss mm-hmm. some women get pregnant right away afterwards mm-hmm. and having that baby becomes a sort of really healing process for them mm. um and that's a really beautiful thing mm. to see mm. um i will say but that me- you mean you know, after that- the baby is born though right right like they'll have a miscarriage and then they'll get pregnant, pregnant again, and then and- the pregnancy could be anxiety it can be produced. it can yeah it can ha- there can be a lot of anxiety and then ultimately it can be very Healing. healing. Oh, that's really, that's a really great thing to hear. Mm-hmm. And um, do you think Miss? I mean, to me, the topic of miscarriage isn't is swept under the rug and not spoken about and taken seriously mm-hmm. as much as it could be or should be. Do you get that sense? Yeah, I think anything that doesn't sort of fulfill that positive, beautiful, fertile image of pregnancy and childbirth is automatically swept under the rug. You see that with abortion, with miscarriage, um, with postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And we need to be having conversations about this. So what is the value of having these con- conversations, do you suppose? I think it makes women feel less alone. And mm-hmm. they realize that this is, you know, not a situation that's unique to them, that a lot of women are um, going through sort of similar things. Mm-hmm. And that it's normal. And it's normal. Yeah. Right. The weirdness is the what they think is the weirdness is so normal. Yeah. A lot of what I do is normalizing things for women, mm-hmm. I think. So do you think that women sort of um some of sometimes are also uh create that I mean, you know, women don't want to talk about women hide women hide all this stuff from each other as well, right? Oh yeah. You know, I mean I'm on Instagram and I follow a lot of these like mommy Instagrams mm-hmm. and it's these images that are just so beautiful and so perfectly curated and we're you know mm-hmm. we're not seeing like the messy stressed out moments so we, mm-hmm. we yeah I think it's our responsibility to be honest with each other about what parenting really looks like and what giving birth really looks like yeah. so have there been like are there you know groups that women join I mean that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like a fun thing to do to just go to a, I mean, that's not going to normalize society, but it's, what do women do? What do women do? Um, I mean, there are a lot of really wonderful movements that are happening and organizations that are kind Mm -hmm. of having open, honest conversations about postpartum depression, about birth trauma, um, and are really helping women, um, to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, because in order to heal, you have to, to talk about it if you stuff it inside it's just it festers and so I think the first step is just um, telling your story and so there are a lot of um, movements now that are simply serving as platforms for women to share their birth stories Mm -hmm. Um, and they're really moving oh well that's good yeah yeah because if we talk about it then it's like not as frightening right yeah so um anyway we have 10 minutes left so let's see what what else can you tell us that that i didn't ask you i mean you know what what else 
what wouldn't I have known to ask you that you think is important? Because mm -hmm. I don't know anything about this. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. One thing that one of my doula mentors um, taught me is she always says, baby in, baby out. So how you got the baby in is how you get the baby out. And so oftentimes when I'm with a client, I say, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave the room and you guys do whatever you want to do. That makes you feel good because that's going to get your labor moving. If labor is stalling, making out with your partner, um, oh. even masturbating, it's really great. Really? Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. See, there's another good reason to have a baby. Yeah. Get out that vibrator. So you get so you 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 get people to like have sex during the birth? <laughs> well, I don't know if they're having sex, but definitely I encourage them to get touchy feely. Anything that um, produces oxytocin, right? Because that same hormone that um, you sense. have when you have an orgasm is what you're having when you're having a contraction. Oh, that makes sense. So, and I, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, uh, assisting them in that way, but I'll give them foot massages. I'll tell them to eat food that makes them happy, listen to music that makes them feel happy. The key is to get that oxytocin. Just so basically, flowing. the most important thing I'm hearing is when you're giving birth is just do whatever you can to make yourself happy. Absolutely. Just being a good, put a good vibe out there. Yeah. What What can you do if you're in a hospital to make yourself feel normal? Um, I bring like little electric candles and I turn the lights out because also oh, um, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's good because when so when the mm -hmm. lights are on and it's really bright, you're pupils dial uh don't dilate right mm -hmm. and the same goes of your cervix so oh. you want to keep the lights low during birth that's oh. really important oh i didn't know that yeah and because you might need some romance in there anyway. yeah uh-huh so what about um um infertility have you dealt with that much uh or do you have a uh, do you have any like any anything that you've studied or learned about that that you know would be helpful mm -hmm. not, you know not as much just because i'm dealing mostly with with birth with birth <laughs> um but uh have I, you have you had clients or patients whatever you call them that have had infertility yes i have and have you had uh in vitro yes yeah mm -hmm. and you know for the most part it doesn't you know in in the situations that i've worked in it hasn't really you know um affected anything mm -hmm. um so you know that's that's been good mm -hmm. um but yeah you know i'm not i'm not super knowledgeable about infertility i used mm -hmm. to work at this um acupuncture center that um worked worked a lot with women that were dealing with infertility issues mm -hmm. and i know acupuncture can be really wonderful for that oh that's good to hear mm -hmm. yeah and have you dealt with any crises um Yes. Um, is that I've, frightening for you? It's very scary. It is. It's really, really intense. Um, Has it happened more than once? You've been doing it a year and a half. Um, I would say once or twice. There have mm -hmm. been scary moments. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and that's just part of the deal. It's part of the deal. You know, you ha when you get into this work, you have to expect that things are going to go wrong at some point. Mm -hmm. You are going to see something that you wish you hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. and um mm -hmm. it's difficult it's really hard mm -hmm. it stays with you yeah and it's so important as a doula a, as a doula to have strong self self-care rituals 
so that you can discharge that energy because mm. I'm constantly absorbing the energy of other people. Oh yeah. 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 That's gonna, that's gonna be, that's gotta be, that's a lot. That's probably like, it's like uh, the pilot never has to fly the plane, but he has to know how to fly the plane perfectly in case it, he ever has to fly the plane. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. Yeah. So um, do, what, like, what's your feeling about, like, if you were going to have a birth at home and then mm-hmm. something happened and like, I mean, does that happen where there's a medical emergency? Do you get to the hot, do people get to the hospital fast enough? Or like, is that a big risk or what's your take on that? Right. So anytime I have a client that's giving birth um, at home, mm-hmm. I make sure that they have a very well-developed hospital transfer plan in case ah. something should happen. Ah. Um, and there are a lot of midwives that have delivery rights at hospitals, ah. um, meaning that the hospital will allow them to come in with their patient if, you know, right. if they need to. Right. Um, so that's well laid out. Ah. And I will say, though, I've never been at a birth where we had to transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens, though. Rarely? And it sounds pretty rare. It, yeah. I mean, yes it'll, no. it happens. So. It happens. Definitely. Um, but I will say that the moment the the times when the midwife decides that you know we should transfer it's not like all of a sudden like uh, we've lost the baby's heart rate like that that does happen that's very 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 rare it's usually you know let's be cautious and let's get you uh, on monitors you're not feeling so good so let's just be cautious yeah or right. they foresee that something's going to happen um but mm-hmm. it's very rare that all of a sudden it's this like really really dramatic Right, like you might imagine. Right. So do you talk with the doctors as well beforehand? I don't know. There's really no communication that goes on between. So what do you think about that? I mean, Um, has a a client ever asked you to come to a doctor? Have you ever wanted to? Have you ever thought, gee, it'd be great if I could go to the consultation with the patient? I would love that. I've never never been... um, if a client asked me, I would absolutely go. But yeah, you know, it's do you a, think it's a good idea? Like, would you advocate for that? It can be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, especially... it seems like it'd be cool to have if you're going to have a doula. It seems like it would make sense to have the doula meet the doctor so that when you get in a moment, like everybody's kind of like, oh, I know you. Totally. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, people should do idea. that. Do you think um, women are afraid to ask their doctors like they're going to undermine their doctors or something um yes and no definitely there can be tension between doctors and doulas um Mm -hmm. for the most part i've been really lucky that i've had doctors that are really really supportive of me being there oh that's great yeah yeah that's great well i tell you something i'm never going to have kids but (laughs) i would certainly want you to be the person i would certainly i can just get such a good feeling from you uh, I would definitely want you being there. Oh, thank you. So um, people can find you on the internet, yes. right? It's Sarah yes. Browner Doula. Sophie Browner. Sophie. Yeah. Sophie, sorry. Um, so and uh, so we have four minutes left. Um, oh, by the way, don't forget to come to my festival. It's tonight between 7 and 9 at Tradesmen. Um, the, in, it's, it's also a benefit for Radio Free Brooklyn, and uh, it's Dr. Lisa's Selfie Help festival with ridiculous self-help uh experts fun shit so um but i want to hear a little bit more about you personally about um your thoughts about having children Mm -hmm. and how having um and having this career like what's going on what's in what's what's going on in your head 
Oh God, I have no idea. I mean, I'm I'm so maternal. I would love to have babies, but at the same time, you know, I need to be sort of emotionally and intellectually fulfilled first, and so mm-hmm. that that scares me a little bit. I would. What never, do you mean? I mean, I would never want to have to like negotiate my identity for the sake of my children, right? Mm. Um, I would never want to have to put anything on hold for anybody else. Mm. Um, so that, you know. That so you're saying me. you're not ready? Oh, I'm so not ready. Like you want? And how old are you? I'm 23. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're so not ready. <laughs> yeah. No but um, when you are ready, well, you, I mean, you imagine someday you'll be ready, right? I think so. Yeah. But you'll never really be ready. That's true, yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. So um, is it something that you just don't think about because you're 23? Yeah, I don't think about it because I'm 23 and because I don't have a partner and um, I'm just getting started in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I give myself like 10 years. <laughs> Do you ever have people and you think like, oh, my God, these people, they're not going to be like, this is going to be hard for them to be parents. Do people <laughs> get what they're doing? Um, scare, scary time. There are scary times when I feel like no, no, <laughs> and that's frightening because people want to have babies for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. And that, sometimes, yeah. is that what it is? Like sometimes oh, yeah. the motivation isn't really what, yes. what, what do you think a good motivation is? Like, how would you oh. see like having a kid is great because you want to, like somebody once said to me, I want to be somebody's mother. Mm hmm. That's a good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, what's beautiful about, like, what's great about motherhood? Um, sell, sell me on it. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think about, I have a really great relationship with my mother, uh-huh. and that that bond is so beautiful, and that relationship between a child and a mother just doesn't really sort of exist in any other kind of relationship, mm-hmm. right? That unconditional love, it's really beautiful um and i think there needs to be more unconditional love in the world yeah and, for everybody yeah. right so do your friends like all love you because you're like taking care of that you you must be like the ideal friend the nurturing friend right i i would i will say i'm a good listener yeah i like to listen hmm are you friends with the other doulas i am i'm friends is with that a lot. lot of your is are you in a doula social circle I am totally, and I love my doula friends, but I need to also really not be around. Have crazy, yeah, doulas a lot of the time. And are all doulas women? Um, do you no. think it's a woman? No, it's a it's a female. It's female dominated, but I mm-hmm. have absolutely met male doulas. Yeah, and and it really doesn't matter, does it? No, it doesn't. It's about um, being compassionate, mm. and um, I don't think that's gender specific. No, it's definitely not gender gender specific yeah wow you know it's interesting because i think if yeah i think your own childhood relationship with your mother one's childhood relationship with their mother probably affects obviously their parenting Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of growth in being a parent right oh yeah it's like so you can change that yes yeah it's the opportunity to break cycles and start new ones what's beautiful Dr. Lisa gives a shit.